This is the Marvel Sports Podcast. The Dodgers had one of the best seasons I've ever seen. They've got a chance, and I think that they will uh, get the win on the road in Chicago. It was a battle for the Chiefs, but they ultimately prevailed. And here's your host, David Marr. Welcome into a Thanksgiving edition episode of the Marvel Sports Podcast. I'm David Marr alongside Andrew Spizzano. We have a special guest with us today uh, from Arizona State University's Blaze Radio. Uh, Gannon Hannibal joins us now. Gannon, how's it been over there in, in uh, Arizona? Hey, well, I'm appreciating the weather over here. I just got back from a walk. It's about 68 degrees outside right now. I'm enjoying a little bit of sunshine. I can wear shorts in November, so I can't complain too much. Fantastic. So let's dive in here, guys, and let's talk about um, NBA. Um, we we started the draft, and then we did free agency. They did free agency last uh, over the last couple of days. Um, again, in, in Phoenix, there's a lot of talk about the Suns. Um, just start with how you think they handled uh, free agency so far um, in the first few weeks of it. Well, I mean, obviously there's the big move, right? Everyone's talking about Chris Paul. He's he's coming to Phoenix and. As someone who's followed Phoenix for a long time, lives downtown, I can tell you the departure of Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio is felt uh, in terms of culture. They have done a lot to uh, really turn around the the view that the Suns have around the league and even from their own fan base. I think for a long time, fans really felt like the team was hardly even trying uh, to, to put out a winning roster. And Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio played a large part in changing that narrative. However, uh, Chris Paul accelerates that even further because he proved that you are now in win-now mode, and that's where the Suns are at. And I think they have built the team with the depth and the star power necessary to uh, compete in the playoffs and even perhaps win a playoff series or two. I think this is a team that uh, has set their floor at probably the eighth seed and potentially has a ceiling as high as hosting a playoff series. And so I, I'm very excited to be in Phoenix right now uh, as, as someone who likes the Suns, who enjoys watching them play. And so... I, uh, I I couldn't complain at all. Yeah, they built a nice team over there, and it's going to be really exciting to watch them play over the next uh, this season in December. Uh, Andrew, you're a New York Knicks fan. Uh, can you give us a little bit of insight on the Knicks and their, how they've handled free agency so far? So there were very high expectations for Knicks fans going into free agency, and for high expectations... They were looking at guys like Russell Westbrook and the trade market. And as it always goes with the Knicks, we ended up bringing in lower-tier players like Austin Rivers, Nerlens Noel, who are veterans who are brought in for um, gamble-type deals. Um, I think that the Knicks are not going to be good next year again. It's been tough, man. These last couple of years, they just have been really tough to watch. I don't see them contending for a playoff spot anytime soon. Yeah, they did re-sign a couple of their free agents. Uh, one of their um, point guards, Albert Payton, agreed to another uh, a five-year, a one-year $5 million deal. Um, so he'll be back with the team next year. They did make some moves in free agency, but it was mostly... Uh, looks like re-signing guys and bringing some um, <clears throat> inexperienced guys coming over from uh, Houston and uh, looks like Philadelphia as well. Um, from Boston, the Celtics, uh, obviously a lot of talk about Gordon Hayward. 
um, and what he was going to do in free agency. He hasn't. He's been rumored to go to Charlotte. It looks like he's agreed to a four-year, um, hundred twenty million dollar deal with the Hornets. Um, but we're still a little bit uh, unsure about this because Danny Ainge looks like he's trying to get a trade instead of a um, Gordon Hayward going into free agency and having him be re-signed by Charlotte. Um, but the Celtics did make a, a couple moves. They get Tristan Thompson from Cleveland, um, which I think is good. I think the Celtics need some depth in the center position um, with, um, I think, Tatum still being in that young phase, um, I guess, way to put it. Um, so getting depth at center. And then Jeff Teague coming over from Atlanta. Um, I think he's a good pickup. I think he'll give them some depth um, at the point guard position. Um, the loss of Brad Wanamaker, I think, is going to make the Celtics a lot of Celtics fans unhappy. He he agreed to a, a one-year deal at uh, Golden State, um, and he was such a, a, a fun guy to watch last year in Boston, and I know a lot of fans are heartbroken about him um, leaving the Celtics and becoming a free agent. Um, so we're still waiting to see on the Gordon Hayward situation uh, to see where he goes. But uh, a little bit about the draft. We all expected... Um, Lamelo Ball, I think it is, uh, to go over to Minnesota, and he wasn't the first overall pick. Uh, Gannon, what was your reaction? To, um, he didn't get picked number one overall. A lot of us expected him to, but what was your reaction from it? I think I kind of anticipated Anthony Edwards actually to go number one. I mm-hmm. I think he's the best basketball fit for Minnesota. Lamelo Ball is a a ball dominant guy. I guess pun intended on his last name there, but uh, I think that. Anthony Edwards is something that the Timberwolves kind of need. They've got D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, who are offense-heavy guys. And Anthony Edwards, even though he hasn't shown it yet in, in college, he has the build necessary and has, the uh, I think, the intangibles to where I think he can be a very good defensive player at some point in his career. Uh, I think if he is able to find his passion for the game of basketball that some people seem to question that he actually has, uh, he has the potential to be kind of a Victor Oladipo level player uh, in terms of his ability to be a high flyer off the dribble and uh, to play good defense on the other end. So if he can turn into that sort of player, I don't think the Timberwolves are going to regret it. I think that is a uh, that's a pick I kind of expected. It seems like something the Timberwolves would do, would do because uh, the biggest concern with him was obviously his off the court passion for basketball because there's been multiple times where he's been quoted as saying he doesn't even love the game and uh, the Timberwolves Wolves kind of set the precedent for that not being an issue when they drafted Andrew Wiggins because Andrew Wiggins had the same concerns coming out of Kansas and yet they took the chance on him he didn't pan out so I'm sure they're hoping Edwards will be a different story but uh, I think that's a pick that didn't surprise me too much however the Warriors passing on ball did surprise me I I expected them to be a best player available kind of kind of team but they ended up going uh drafting for fit as well yeah real quick um the the Suns getting uh drafting uh, Jalen Smith in the first round, uh, and then, well, Jalen Smith in the first round, I'm not sure, did they get a pick in the second round, but, um, how do you think Jalen Smith will fit over in, uh, in Phoenix? I think he'll fit perfectly. I think a lot of Suns fans were very upset by that pick. Uh, they really wanted to see Halliburton because he was the, the guy who was following. He's a high upside kind of player and someone who will come in and be an immediate contributor, but Jalen Smith, I actually, I'm very excited about. I think the way that the Suns, uh, have drafted with James Jones as general manager. Um, he's laid enough of a foundation to where I, I trust him as a, as a general manager to make the right moves. Cam Johnson turned a lot of heads last year when he was picked, and he turned out to be a great pick. And uh, James Jones also was a, uh, played a large role in drafting 
Mikael Bridges, which was a draft pick that a lot of people kind of said, really, you gave up a future first round pick for Mikael Bridges. He ended up trading Zaire Smith uh, and I believe who got drafted this year. I think it might have been Desmond Bain who got drafted with that pick this year. And uh, for Mikael Bridges, who is a starting small forward in the game of basketball, and he's someone who could be even better than just a starter. So I, I trust James Jones and his and his game plan. Jalen Smith is a guy I think comes in, fills that Aaron Baines role that Baines had with the Suns last year as someone who can hit the three off of the pick and roll. Uh, it brings in a lot of energy off the bench and will be able to start here and there if Aiton were to go down with an injury or if we need to have a two-big lineup against teams like the Lakers who are starting to bail McGee, or I guess not McGee, Mark McGee's gone, but Mark Gasol actually now and uh, Anthony Davis. So I, I think I think Jalen Smith is a great fit because he's a guy who can play the four, he can play the five, he can shoot, he can play inside, and he's a rim protector. He plays, he does everything that you want out of a modern, modern uh, NBA big. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Andrew, um, the Knicks getting Obi Topin in the first round, and then they also got, um, or they traded their next pick, Leandro Bolmar, to the Timberwolves. But how do you think the Knicks fared at the draft? I thought the Knicks had a very good draft. I think Obi Topin or Obi Toppin is going to be a great player for the Knicks. He could do so much, bring so much excitement. I was watching a highlight reel from them last year. He was throwing down between the leg dunks in game. He's going to bring a lot of excitement to the Garden. One thing that people talk about as being a flaw there is his defense, but I think if you put him on the floor with Mitch Robinson, you could have you could see him improve there. He's going to be an explosive player, and I really like the pick of Emmanuel Quickly. He shot over 40% from downtown last year for Kentucky. Kentucky's coach talked really highly of him. The Knicks got some pretty good players, in the draft, and I'm excited to see how they develop because, man, the Knicks haven't had much excitement in a long time. So hopefully we see some good things come out of the draft this year. Yeah, I'm excited. The Celtics got um, a six foot two, two oh six, Peyton Pritchard from uh, the University of Oregon, and I saw him play a couple times last year um, before we all went into quarantine. Um, he is a very tall kid, and he is a you know a decent size for a point guard. Um, he is a, he's a great scorer for the uh, for this for the Ducks was for the Ducks, and he sure sure will be for the Celtics. Um, you know he averages twenty points, almost six assists a game, um, and uh, I think he's going to be a, a great fit in Boston, especially with um, uh, returning returning of. Um, Jason Tatum and um, Jalen Brown, so I think he's going to fit in pretty well, um, and it's it's going to be exciting, I think, for the Celtics. So there's still a lot of high expectations um, this year. I know that Toronto got better, um, the Brooklyn Nets got a little bit better, and I know that the Bucks will still be the Bucks. So, but there's still a lot of high expectations with um, Peyton Pritchard and with uh, and with Aaron Nesmith too. He's a pretty good uh, um, a forward from Vanderbilt. He's a young kid. He was drafted out of a out of his sophomore season, um, and I think he's going to be a, a a pretty good fit. Um, he, the Celtics need scoring. I feel like uh, even with all the scores they have around them, and in, in Tatum and Brown and um, and Kemba Walker, but they need more depth and scoring. And um, I think he was a he was a good fit. I think he's going to be a great fit in Boston. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit. Let's head into our college football conversation. Um, some big games this Friday to start us off. Um, and let's start in the Big 12. Iowa State and Texas, a lot of teams 
didn't expect Iowa State and Texas to meet, especially with this big stakes. If if uh, I think if the Cyclones win, they punch their ticket to the to the Big Twelve title game. Texas wins, they could create a potential logjam there. Um, so again, in first thoughts on the on the Cyclones Texas game uh, in Austin this weekend. Uh, in all honesty, I mean Texas has been a very hard team to to nail down this year. Uh, they're kind of they've kind of been difficult to figure out from time to time. With uh, they they you know they're knocking off uh, big big uh, or knocking off big opponents, and they beat Oklahoma State. That was a that was a big win for them. Um, they kind of squeaked by West Virginia last week, uh, or not last week, but a few weeks ago now. And uh, I, I I think that this could be a trap game for Iowa State. Uh, I know that they they've got that kind of marquee win over Oklahoma, but uh, I I think this could be a trap game for them. I didn't like how they looked uh, against Oklahoma State, so um, I, I think I want to roll Texas in, the, in this game just purely off of uh, home field advantage and in terms of I, I just think Iowa State uh, could be exposed this game. Andrew, um, I'm really looking forward to this Iowa State Texas game. Iowa State last week looked great. They dumped 45 points on Kansas State. Defense shut them down. Um, and then going into this Texas game on the road, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, much tougher for Iowa State. Texas, Sam Allinger's looked pretty good, but their Texas's defense has impressed me this year. And I think if Texas's defense can contain Iowa State, it's gonna be really tough. It's gonna be a really good matchup. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I remember 2018 when the Clones beat. Uh, West Virginia, who was ranked number six at the time, uh, and then they started to get hot. They ran into Texas in Austin, and then Texas ended up beating them 24 to 10. This feels kind of similar to that, um, but it'll be interesting to see. You know, Texas three weeks off because they had a game against Kansas that was called off um, because the Jayhawks had some COVID issues. So I want to see if Texas can shake off the rust. And they're going to have to do it quickly because Brees Hall, he's slowly emerging as a Heisman candidate. Um, he's rushed for over 100 yards in every single game that he's played uh, for the Cyclones. And the one thing that still concerns me about Texas is their ability to run the football um, because they've been too inconsistent in that area. And it feels like everything put on Sam Ellinger could be a problem. Um, so I'm I'm going to roll with Iowa State. I know it's a it's a tough call, but... I think the clones. I think this is their year to make noise in the Big Twelve, and this could really, really change a lot of things for this uh, for this program if they're able to go into Austin and get a big win. Uh, the other big game on Friday night is Notre Dame and North Carolina. Um, Gannon, could you see this? You were talking about the Iowa State Texas game being a trap game. Could this be the same thing for the Irish in uh, in Chapel Hill? I mean, I think on paper it looks like one. Uh, this North Carolina team has been just feisty this year in the way that they've they've had games where it seems like they're totally out of it i mean i'm looking at the florida state game in particular i remember that game they were it looked like dead in the water and they came back and ended up making it a, a close finish and then same thing last week it looked like wake forest was going to beat them and then they came back and and pulled off a remarkable victory there so this is a team that is going to give you a fight for four quarters however i, I i'm not sure that sam howell and the tar heels have enough to, to keep up with notre dame i think notre dame is just more talented across the board However, this is going to be a good uh, marquee test, I guess, for Notre Dame. They haven't had many ranked games in the schedule outside of the the big matchup against Clemson. So for them to have a second ranked win under their belt would be huge going into you know college football playoff consideration. I'm sure they want that two seed instead of the three. 
uh, or, or perhaps the four if you see Ohio State continue to uh, win games. So I think this is a, a very important game for, for Notre Dame and the Fighting Irish, and, and I expect them to win it. Andrew, your thoughts? I agree 100%. Notre Dame has looked fantastic all year, 8-0 record. They are hot. They're really hot. They beat Clemson three weeks ago, then they took down what I think is a pretty decent Boston College team, very underrated. Um, and they had a week off to refresh a little bit after a couple of tough games. I think Ian Book's having a fantastic year. I think they're going to come out and win this football game and shut down the talks of this being a trap game for sure. Yeah, I was, um, I'm was. i still trying to figure out how Ian Book's not in the Heisman conversation. The way that he creates plays on the move uh, and his ability to run the football when everything breaks down, it, it just makes me wonder. Like He's He's got to be an underrated Heisman candidate. Um, and that Notre Dame defense is too tough. I just think, and I love Mac Brown. I love North Carolina. But I just think this Notre Dame team's on a mission, and um, I think they'll I think they'll go there and play well. Um, let's talk about the team in the Big Ten, o- Ohio State. We all expected, and Andrew, you were talking about this last week. The number was a little bit too big, and you were right because Indi- uh, Indiana clawed back into the game, almost almost tied the game. Um, any concerns about uh, Ohio State, Andrew? I'll start with you because you ex- you said the number was too big, and you were right because it was a lot closer than people thought it was. Yeah, so I so Ohio State Justin Fields played a he played well, but he had a couple of key turnovers that helped lead to Indiana crawling back in it. Um, watching that game, it was a blowout in the first half. Ohio State was looking like they were going to cover that spread for a while, but then Penix and Indiana they just took advantage of some key turnovers they made some good plays on defense and they crawled back into that game. And, you know, I was definitely right about that spread. I, I think Indiana has a good football team and they were able to be competitive, but Ohio state, their defense was just, they looked like they were just kind of just asleep for a little bit there in the second half. And, no, in the fourth quarter, they made some big plays, a couple big stops to close out the game, but they almost blew it there. Yeah, again, where, what are your thoughts on Ohio State almost uh, gagging that game against Indiana last week? I mean, I'll be honest. I was pulling the Hoosiers. I think like uh, everyone was at that point. I think Indiana was kind of America's team last week because they've been fun to watch their first few weeks. And I think Indiana's a team that you can't count out. They'll probably... Uh, go on and, and win a lot more games down the stretch here. they got three weeks left. And Ohio State is a team, I think, right now, It's they kind of have the opportunity to coast looking at their, their schedule their last three weeks. It's Illinois, Michigan State, Michigan, three teams that have not looked great this year. Uh, I think Ohio State's going to be able to coast. However, I think they're comfortably a uh, – I mean, if they are able to win that – uh, Big Ten championship against perhaps Northwestern. I, I think that they are a first game exit in the college football playoff. Uh, I think the the other three teams that we all kind of expect to be there right now, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, are just far more talented on both sides of the ball. Uh, while Ohio State, you know, they've got Justin Fields, they've got Chris Olave, uh, they've, they've got some talent on the offensive end. That defense, like like you said earlier, uh, it's it's it looked asleep against Indiana, especially in the second half. They They were able to get... Uh, I mean, Freifogel had a huge game. He, he was able to burn those corners, even though Sean Wade had the cool pick six. It, it seemed like 
their secondary got torched far too often by a team that had no business torching them, uh, and, and especially for an Ohio State team that's usually uh, known for their secondary. So uh, I just don't see enough talent on the defensive end. Uh, this isn't your usual Ohio State team, I think. Um, it's very possible they even lose that Big Ten championship to Northwestern if Northwestern keeps riding this hot streak. So I, I, I'm honestly, I'm not sold on Ohio State this year. I think just given their schedule, they'll win out. But uh, I, I don't think they're a lock to, to win a playoff game. Yeah, they remind me a little bit of Clemson right now because when it, when you look at Clemson, it's, it's Trevor Lawrence and ETN and Amari Rogers. But outside of that, their defense hasn't lived up to the hype. They gave up a lot of big plays against BC and then they lost against Notre Dame before um before their bye week and now I look at Ohio State as being practically the same thing you know Justin Fields is great but we all had questions about Ohio State's defense coming into the season uh no Chase Young uh no Damon Arnett no Jeff Okuda in the secondary um and we saw a little bit of that against Indiana and I was with you again and I was really pulling for the Hoosiers I watching them the first couple of weeks I, I didn't believe them and then you know, they, they beat Penn State, to beat Michigan a couple weeks after. That's huge program-building wins for this team. Um, so, but yeah, they, I, I'm with you. I don't think that they're a, a great football team. I think their offense is fantastic, but there's some concern about their defense. The one thing that just just makes me think that, yeah, they're the best team in the Big Ten just because they have a weak schedule, and I don't really know. There's plenty of time, I think, for Ryan Day to get this defense figured out. Um, so I, I think Ohio State will be okay. Um I- I, I really think there's a I, – I, I mean, I see what you're saying where in terms of Clemson being a, kind of in that same situation right now with an underwhelming defense and a, and a Heisman candidate quarterback. However, I, I think that the, the key fundamental difference between Ohio State and Clemson right now is coaching. And I know Ryan Day, he's been able to establish himself as a good coach, but Dabo Sweeney just finds ways to win games, man. I, I know that Notre Dame one is a, is a, is a stain on his, on his reputation a little bit, but – I think down the stretch this year, Dabo Sweeney is going to continue to find ways to win games. And, and I think that Ryan Day has not earned that pedigree last year or, or over the course of his career so far because I mean, looking at the playoff last year, that was an underwhelming game here in Arizona uh, for, for Ohio State. They had a lot of high hopes going into that. And and quite frankly, Dabo Sweeney and the Tigers got the best of them. And so I think coaching is where the big difference is between these two programs. Speaking of coaching, uh, one of the next matchups on the docket, Auburn and Alabama, we just learned that Nick Saban – uh, tested positive for the second time this season. The first one was a false positive. This one's legit. He is out for this week's Iron Bowl on Saturday afternoon in uh, Tuscaloosa, Auburn, and Alabama. Do we see a potential trap game here, Gannon? Because I look at Auburn and I think that they're the, the defense um, is still has me concerned. But I I really like this offense. They're they're gritty. They're tough. Bo Nix is playing tremendous. Upset trap with no. Uh, with no Nick Saban uh, in the at the reins of Alabama. No, this this Alabama team is just far too talented to lose right now. I don't think it matters who who's coaching that game. I think you could be coaching that game, David, and and, and it would still be a win for the uh, for the, the tie. I, I think this is an Alabama team that is rolling right now. I know it's in their name, they're the roll tied. Uh, that's kind of their thing, but I, I I do think this is a this is a win for Alabama. I, I don't think it really matters who's at the helm. <laughs> I appreciate the vote of confidence. If I was coaching this game, I think I'd do a good job. Uh, uh, Andrew, uh, your thoughts. Roll tie roll, baby. Alabama is going to win this game. They're just, like Gannon said, they're far too talented. I don't think they need Saban to win this game. I'm taking Alabama. All right. And uh, last com- last uh, topic on college football before we move to NFL, guys. Kyle Trask, is he a Heisman contender this year? Or is it is he not because Florida's defense is 
too bad. He's absolutely a Heisman contender right now. He's, I mean, if you look at it, the pace he's on right now, it, it almost directly parallels Joe Burrow's from last year, which is which is crazy to think about because Joe Burrow was, I remember at this time last year, we were thinking this is historic. This is nothing we'll ever be able to see again. But college draft stats right now, uh, they, they do mirror that of Joe Burrow's at this point through last season. And so I, I actually, I, I would say Kyle Trask is a Heisman contender. If he can get, you know, another another marquee win under his belt, I'm not sure what Florida's schedule looks like um, down the stretch uh, in, in this season. But I think if he can get a win against a team, you know, if, they, if they've got a matchup with Georgia, I'm not sure. Let's see what the schedule No, So they don't have really have, he doesn't have a chance really to prove himself here late in the season because they've got Tennessee, LSU, and Kentucky, three teams that have been, uh, underwhelming in the SEC this year. So he's not going to get a chance to prove himself, but he already has done that. That win against Georgia was was huge, and and I think uh, this is this is a season of Kyle Trask, and I, I expect him to go high on the first round in the NFL draft as well. Andrew? I absolutely think Kyle Trask is a Heisman contender. He's thrown 31 touchdowns, over 2,500 yards. He's having a phenomenal year, and like Gannon said, he proved himself in that Georgia game. You show that he can do it against big teams. I definitely think he has to be in consideration to be one of the top candidates. I think the the showdown, in my opinion, if he wants to go prove himself as a Heisman candidate, is if Florida goes to the SEC championship and they beat Alabama. It'd be the only way to I think to solidify that conversation uh, is if he beats Mac Jones, who's another Heisman contender. It, it almost feels like if we go into this matchup, this feels like Burrow and and uh, Tua from last year. Um, with that showdown for a Heisman uh, Trophy on the line, if Mac jo- or if uh, Kyle Trask, excuse me, goes to George- Atlanta and beats Mac Jones, that that may solidify his Heisman candidacy. We're just gonna have to wait and see on that. But I think it's gonna be a great game if if Florida and Alabama meet uh, in the SEC title game um, with two high flying offenses and uh, some pretty good defenses as well. All right, so let's dive into NFL. Last topic of our podcast this week. Let's go back and recap last week. Um, Let's start with this with uh the Sunday night game Chiefs Raiders. Uh Gannon, um Las Vegas, are they an underrated are they a threat in the AFC? Uh because they they put up 31 points on Kansas City and I know their defense was the reason that they got let down in that game. But are they a threat in the AFC to make the playoffs and potentially be a spoiler in the in the first round? Yeah, they absolutely are because uh, Derek Carr's playing like an elite quarterback, which is something that we haven't seen since his, you know, his MVP candidacy season uh, that he had now, I think three years ago that was. Uh, so I, I I absolutely think this Raiders team is one to be uh, reckoned with a little bit. And I think their schedule down the stretch is going to give them the opportunity to get into the playoffs. They saw the game against the Jets. They still play the Chargers. They still play the Broncos, three teams that are not, uh, you know, even com- on the same playing field as the Raiders right now. And the Dolphins, they still play the Dolphins, and, and I, I think the Dolphins are trending downward right now. Uh, I, I didn't like the way they looked this last week. Uh, the fact that they pulled to a mid-game, I think that's going to do a lot to his confidence. I'm, I didn't like that move there from Brian Flores. So uh, I, I think this Raiders team, I think I could see them going 1-1 one, one down the stretch and taking a wild-card spot and really being a team that could uh, you know, raise a little bit of hell in that first wild-card game. Andrew? I definitely think the Raiders are a threat. They've Handed the Chiefs their two toughest games this year, I think. They beat them in Kansas. They beat them in KC. Then they almost beat them at home. Just Patty Mahomes making some great throws and hitting Travis Kelsey for that TD at the end. But Derek Carr has looked incredible this year. He's made some big throws. 
he's really been hitting Nelson Aguilar a lot, and Josh Jacobs has been incredible. The run game has looked good. I think they're a team to watch out for. I look at the Raiders and those those four losses. They all could have been. Uh, they all could have been wins. They they should have beaten the Patriots. They they played a tight game with them and then got out of hand late. They lost against Buffalo in a game that they could have won. Uh, the one caveat, I guess, is Tampa Bay because uh, Tom Brady just blew them out uh, in Las Vegas. But that wouldn't that loss to Kansas City. I think that they're contenders. I just you you I wonder about that defense um, because they couldn't get pressure on Patrick Mahomes and they and they really struggled against um, against the run game. Um, the NFC East, Dallas and Washington both won, Philadelphia lost. Who's the favorite in the NFC East, Gannon? It's still Philly. I think Philly's got the team uh, that has the best odds of, of going on a run here at the end because they have a defense that can play. Uh, I, I, granted, actually, Washington is actually a team to watch out for as well. Their pass defense has been phenomenal. Their front seven is talented at every single position. Uh, so Washington and Philly are the two teams I'm watching for. Uh, Dallas pulled out a fluky game against my Vikings this week. Uh, that's, I think, more of a credit to a terrible Minnesota Vikings secondary than it is to a actually talented Cowboys roster. So I, I think right now uh, it's going to be the football team and the Eagles who will be uh, kind of duking it out here down the stretch because I actually think those two teams might play each other week 17 from what I remember. So uh, that could be a showdown for the division, I think. Andrew? So I'm a huge Giants fan, so I'm a, I'm a little biased here. But they got a game against the Bengals who are playing their third-string quarterback. I think if they win this game, they'll be tied for first place because, let's be honest, the Eagles aren't beating Seattle. And hey, Giants hold the tiebreaker over the football team who I think are going to take tomorrow's game against Dallas. Um, But I think... That tie for Philly is really going to be key at the end because if you end up in a tiebreaker situation, that tie is going to put them over the edge. I think Philly's going to win the division if things look the way they are right now. You know, I want to side with the Eagles, but the way they've been playing and the way their schedule is set up, it, it doesn't look good. I, I'm not seeing a lot of Carson Wentz. There's no running game. This defense, it doesn't look the same. I think the winner of the Washington-Dallas game tomorrow is going to be the team that's going to contest for the division with probably the Giants, but the Giants have just about the similar bad schedule as the Eagles do with Arizona, and um, I think they have to play... I, I want to say they have to play the um, Browns, the Eagles. Browns, Seattle, and Baltimore. Seattle and Baltimore. Um, so, I don't know, but that winner of Dallas or Washington on Thursday night... I, I like the way the Cowboys played against the Vikings. They ran the ball, and their defense made plays. They forced two turnovers, and um, I, I think they're they're finding their rhythm, but I, I really like this Giants team. They're, they're well-balanced. Daniel Jones is playing well, and this defense is uh, is tremendous up front. Um, but it'll be, a, it'll be an interesting week. Yeah, you're right, Gannon. That Week 17 game between uh, the Washington football team and the Eagles could be the, the one that decides the division if, if they win on uh, – on Thursday. Uh, AFC South, who do you trust more, the Indianapolis Colts or the Tennessee Titans? And I'll start with Andrew. I trust the Indianapolis Colts more because their defense has looked fantastic. They were getting shredded by Aaron Rodgers in the first half, but then they really made some big plays. They stepped up at the end. 
The Colts, Phillip Rivers is having a good year. Their run game has looked good. I think the Colts are the team to watch out for there because of that defense especially. Gannon? Yeah, I'm going to agree there, actually. I, I think the Colts are the uh, the more trustworthy team late in the season for the exact reasons you laid out that defense uh, is looking is looking great. I, granted, they left they, they put a lot of po- they allowed the Packers to put a lot of points on the board, but they they find ways to win games. And I think Philip Rivers found his calling. I think this is this is the exact type of team Philip Rivers needs to run. Hand him a running back by committee, a few weapons he can get uh, in space, and and let him be a game manager. And I think that's exactly like the the exact situation that they should have let him have back in San Diego. Uh, the, he never really had the opportunity to helm a team like that. He was always kind of forced to be a gunslinger, and I don't think that was uh, what he should have been. Um, and so I think he's kind of found his comfort zone a little bit. They've put a good defense on the other side of the ball, and, and I think this Colts team, they've proven they can beat anybody right now. Taking down the Packers in that game uh, is a statement. Tennessee still has to play Green Bay in Green Bay to uh, end the season in Week 16, and I did pick them to win the division. Um which is why I'm picking them to win in, in uh, this Sunday Week 12 game. Uh, Derrick Henry is uh, still a force to be reckoned with, and Ryan Tannehill has played better. But I do trust the Colts. I like the way their defense has played. I think Darius Leonard's probably one of the best defenders in uh, in the NFL right now. And um, uh, the one of their wide receivers, rookie Michael Pittman, is having a heck of a season. Um, he's a very physical weapon, can uh, be available as a downfield threat. Um, and Phillip Rivers has played well. I think that their two young running backs, Jonathan Taylor and uh, Naheem Hines, have played outstanding. Um, be a fascinating game in uh, Week 12 when the Colts take on the Titans in uh, in Indianapolis on Sunday. Uh, the NFC West, the Rams beat the Bucks. Seattle beat Arizona. Who's the favorite in that division after uh, last Monday? And I'll start with Gannon. Uh, this, 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 this division has been a thorn in my side all year. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I, I couldn't, but that Seattle defense is, is atrocious and you can't trust them any week. Uh, they almost lost to the Vikings, so they had no business even being in a game with. And uh, that's happened many times this year where they've, they've allowed teams that should not be in games with Seattle to be in games with Seattle. Uh, and so that team is, is tough to nail down. Uh, the Cardinals, they did not look great against Seattle on Thursday Night Football. So that, I mean, you've got that to consider. The Rams had their statement game against the Buccaneers, but I'm not as high on the Buccaneers as your average person, so I'm not sure how much of a statement that is. At the end of the day, I'm going to go with Seattle, just because I think Russell Wilson's a guy you can trust to win games, uh, ugly games, but he'll will, he will win games. And so I, I'm going to lean on Seattle and Seahawks, but uh, it's, I'm not confident in any of those three teams to make a deep run in the playoffs. Andrew? So all three of these teams both have – Laws, but I think out of the three, the Rams looked really good last week against the Bucks. They were able to get Cooper Cup involved a lot and Robert Woods. I think for the first time in their franchise history, they had two receivers with 10-plus receptions, 100 more yards. If Jared Goff could keep utilizing those two at the way he did against Tampa Bay, because their defense is great. They have obviously they have Aaron Donald who's insane, and their secondary made some big plays against Brady, especially down towards the end. I think the Rams are a team to watch out for. There, Seattle's defense just isn't trustworthy. Um, they'll they'll be in a lot of shootouts, but I think the Rams can do it. 
I want to see the Rams' offense get better. I they've they've been up and down on offense this year. They they were too inconsistent against Miami. They were too inconsistent against the Giants. Um, we just don't know what I'm, I don't know what to expect with this Rams' offense. And Seattle, as much as Russell Wilson is amazing, that he's been getting he hasn't gotten bailed out by his defense very many times. And I know Arizona's six and four, but there are games that they could have won. Uh, Kyler Murray was not 100% in that game against Seattle. I think Arizona still can win the division, but they're going to have to win out, and it starts with a, a fascinating game on Sunday against the Patriots, um, which um, which will probably be one of my next conversations I'll have next week because the Patriots are probably done after that loss last week to Houston. Um, last topic before we get into our picks. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 10-0. and When's their first loss, Gannon? Oh, you're gonna have to let me look up their schedule because I, I think this, this is a team that's gonna lose eventually. It's just not. Uh, this isn't a 16 and 0 team right now. Uh, I, I do think they have the Ravens number. I know that for sure, and I know that's the big game this weekend. So I don't think it's this weekend. I don't think they lose to Washington. It might be at Buffalo. I think I'll probably count on at Buffalo, and if that doesn't happen, they're losing to the Colts uh, the two days after Christmas back in, in late December. So this is a team I think goes 14 and two. I think they'll drop two games here down the stretch and. Uh, Dang, don't hold on to that one seed, though. Go ahead, Andrew. I agree with Gannon there. I think the Buffalo matchup in Buffalo is going to be tough. Josh Allen's having a phenomenal year. He's starting to heat up. Um, and then I think the Colts are going to be a really tough matchup as well. I can see both of those games being potential losses there. Yeah, it'll be this Sunday against the Ravens. Then it's a home game against Washington. At Buffalo Sunday night, a Monday night game against the Bengals with no Joe Burrow. Sunday afternoon against the Colts, and then at Cleveland Week 17. And if the Steelers drop two games and the Browns keep winning, that Week 17 game could potentially be for the division. Um, I, I would pick the Ravens this week if they were healthy in the backfield, but that Steelers front four is going to have a field day against Lamar Jackson. Um, so... I think the Steelers will lose in weeks uh, that week against Buffalo with the way that Josh Allen's been playing, and they'll probably lose to Indianapolis because that Indy front seven uh, scares me. Along with their um, with the shots that, with the wide receivers that they have um, you know, out on the perimeter, um, but I, I'm impressed with Pittsburgh over the last couple of weeks. They've been playing good ball, um, but they have to just get more consistent on offense. They can't be playing in these tight games against teams that they should be blowing out. Um, Especially like like that like that game against the, the Texans early in the season. All right, so let's get into our picks. Uh, we'll start with Gannon and then Andrew, and then I'll go last. Uh, let's start with Thanksgiving. Uh, two games after the Ravens and Steelers was postponed to Sunday. Uh, Texans and Lions. Gannon, you start first. Yeah, I'm taking the Texans in this game. Uh, I think the Lions have been just completely abysmal the last few weeks, and uh, DeAndre Smith might not be 100. Uh, he was out this last week. Texans team looks like they're kind of rolling right now, so I'm going to take Houston. I'm also going to take Houston in this game. Kenny Galladay is now out, confirmed for tomorrow. Texans looked good last week. I think Deshaun Watson is going to show off or show out in, on the big Thanksgiving stage and take a one on the road. Yeah, I like the Texans too. I was impressed with that win against the Patriots. Uh, the defense finally got going, uh, and Deshaun Watson is a magician. He just makes plays after play. And um, I think the Texans go on the road against the Detroit offense that got shut out by Carolina, which was completely surprising to me, of all people, uh, that they got shut out last week. Uh, we talked about this earlier. Washington and Dallas in the 4.30 window on Thanksgiving. 
Uh, Gannon? I'm going to take Washington in this one. I think uh, it's about time for them to go on a run right now. I, I think they were a team that I kind of expected to be better than they are uh, right now. And Alex Smith actually has looked very good since he's taken the, the starting quarterback spot. So uh, I'm going to roll with Washington in this game. I'm also going to take Washington. Their run defense is looking good, and that's Dallas' strength to Elliott. And I think Alex Smith is looking phenomenal. Probably going to win comeback player of the year. I'm taking Washington on the road. I really do want to pick Dallas. I think the um, Zeke Elliott's going to play well, and but I'm just concerned about that offensive line going against that Dallas. Uh, not excuse me, the Washington front four. Um, that's a mismatch in my opinion, and I think that the uh, Washington run game uh, will be efficient enough for the uh, for the football team to win this game. So I'll take Washington. Uh, the postponement game from Thursday is now a one o'clock game on NBC: Baltimore and Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. I said earlier I'm taking Pittsburgh. I still think the Ravens are not impressing me whatsoever. I think it's very possible that that team uh, misses the playoffs. I, I'm not even discounting that right now. Wow. Uh, this Baltimore team has just not impressed me whatsoever. Lamar Jackson has taken a real step back, and I'm a huge Lamar Jackson believer. So I, I've been kind of disappointed to see that happen this year. I'd like to see them come back and make a make a you know a, a race out of it for the playoffs. But I think it's possible to drop to six and five and really become that odd team out in this really thick AFC playoff run. I am also taking Pittsburgh in this. Their defense is just so good, especially against the run. And we all know Lamar Jackson's famous run on the ball. Um, and their backfield is crippled in COVID, obviously. I think this is really good. Yeah, I, w I really wanted to pick Baltimore. I thought this would be the game the Steelers would fall because it's a divisional game and the big rivalry, but because the Ravens are too, uh, too COVID-riddled on the backfield and on defense, um, I'm picking Pittsburgh. I think it's the Pittsburgh run game that's the difference in this one. Um, the Raiders and the Falcons, two teams that can sling it with protection, uh, if that's a possibility. Uh, Gannon, who do you see taking the win there? It's Vegas. I am not going to be drawing with this one. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Vegas is looking good. Josh Jacobs is going to have a big game. Derek Carr is going to have a big game against this Yeah, Atlanta's pass protection was abysmal against uh, New Orleans last week. If the Raiders can do that, I think they're going to win this game. But I think Josh Jacobs' running ability, uh, I think, is the difference. Uh, Chargers and Bills. Justin Herbert had a great game against the Jets. Reminded it was the Jets' defense. Uh, now he goes to Buffalo, coming off a bye. Again, uh, a potential upset there with the Chargers. Yeah, I can really see it happening. I'm not, not going to lie. I, I think I'm actually willing to pick L.A. this week. I think, I'll, I think I'll take the Chargers in this game. I think Herbert gets his second win. Uh, I think he'll prove to people that he is the rookie of the year right now. And uh, I think this is, this is his statement victory. I think it's going to be a high score game. Buffalo's defense has been as impressive as year. Yeah, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think the Bills, they got healthy on the defensive side. Josh Norman expected to be back um, off the COVID list. 53 and a half is the over. I'm willing to take that number. Um, and I think the Bills win. I think it's going to come down to the wire, though. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, the Giants and the Bengals, probably a difference. Uh, different game here, probably low scoring uh, again into the Giants. Take another step forward towards a potential NFC East title. If Burrow's playing, I think the Bengals win this game, but I'm not putting any money on Ryan Finley right now, so 
I guess I'll take Daniel Jones reluctantly. Giants are gonna win this game. They need to win this game. If they're gonna compete in the NFC. Joe Burrow being out for years long with a torn ACL that we unfortunately found out about. I think the Giants defense shuts down the Bengals offense. I'm taking the Giants. I just think the Bengals' offensive line is absolutely atrocious, and that's a mismatch against that Giants front that has been very progressive this season. Um, I think the Giants' offense gets going, and I think they win a low-scoring game against the Bengals. AFC South uh, lead is on the line in Indianapolis, Titans, and Colts. Yeah, I'm taking the Colts. Like I said earlier, I think this is a... Uh... This is a team built to win close games against good teams because of uh, they've got a game manager, a quarterback, and they've got a great defense. I, I trust the Colts to win this game. I'm also going to take the Colts at home here. The Colts have looked great. Huge Steven win over the Packers. I hate to be the one that disagrees with you, but I'm going to go with Tennessee. I, I picked them to win the division. I have to ride with the Titans. I, I just think Derrick Henry's due to have a big game against this Colts defense. And uh, I'm wondering about Indianapolis if they're a little high off that win last week. It was such a big win to get them in the first place with the, with the Titans off that big win against Baltimore. Um, so I, I think Derrick Henry, I think Ryan Tannehill has a big day against the Colts secondary. Um, I'm taking Tennessee. Uh, Cleveland and Jacksonville Browns are favored by six and a half points. It's a little generous in my opinion. Um, Gannon Browns or, or Jags in, uh, in North Florida? You think that's generous, as in that's uh, generous to the Jacks? I think it's generous. To, I think it's generous to the. Yeah, I think it should be a lot higher. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think this Jaguars team is really, really trending downward. Jay Blue is not looking great at all. That, I think that uh, that Cleveland defense is gonna eat him alive. So I'm, I'm gonna go with the Browns in this one. Don't have to think too hard about this one. There would be a lot this week. The Browns over the Jacks. I think the Browns win. I think this has a chance of being competitive because this Cleveland secondary could give up some big plays. Uh, the Jacks have been competitive in the last couple of games. I'm not going to, um, you know, they almost beat Green Bay in Green Bay. Um, they almost beat Houston. Um, so they've been competitive, but I think this Browns running attack is going to be too much, and there's too many injuries on the Jacksonville defense. Um, so I'm taking Cleveland. Uh, Carolina and Minnesota. Teddy Bridgewater playing against his former team, Dan, you're the Vikings fan, so I'm assuming that you're going with Minnesota here. Oh, I don't even know what to predict anymore. <laughs> I can just see this season as I have a one-way uh, one ticket towards my absolute worst nightmare, which is the Vikings go 7-9, miss the playoffs, and end up taking the 18th overall pick where they're nowhere even close to a quarterback uh, that would, they would want to draft. And so this is, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what to say anymore. I'll pick the Vikings uh, just because they're at home. However, that didn't work last week against the Cowboys. Uh, Panthers, you know, obviously Teddy Bridgewater's got the motivation of playing against this former team. I wish the, there would be a chance to have fans there. I know he would get a huge standing ovation the second he came on the field. I, he's one of my favorite players in the league, probably my favorite quarterback in the league. I love Teddy Bridgewater, and so I'm, I'm excited to see him play against Minnesota this weekend. I think Jefferson has a big game, uh, and then I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Minnesota, but not confidently. I'm going to take Carolina here, and here's why. So, Kirk Cousins' favorite red zone target, Adam Thielen. It's looking like he's not going to play due to COVID, which is a big hit there for, for their offense. And Carolina's defense pitched a shutout against the Lions last week on the road. 
and Teddy Bridgewater coming back. I think they could go into Minnesota against a team coming off of a tough loss and beat them up a little bit more. Andrew, I got to admit, that's a pretty bold pick considering the Panthers played against a banged up offense and they, the Lions couldn't run the football. Um, so I'll take Minnesota. I think the Vikings, this is a game that they need to win, even if Adam Thielen's out. Justin Jefferson is a starting to come into his zone, and uh, the, the, the Panthers' defense cannot stop the run. And I know it was against Detroit, but Detroit's running game was too banged up. Dalvin Cook's going to have a monster game. This is the game that I think will save the Vikings' season. Uh, I think the Vikings get right and get this big win. Uh, the Patriots' season is over, but they have to play it against Arizona at home. Uh, Cardinals are favored by two, which is, again, surprising to me. Uh, Gannon, where are you going there? I'm taking the Patriots. Wow. I think I, I think I'm gonna trust I'm gonna trust the Patriots in this game. Like I said earlier, uh, in a couple of games that reluctantly. I think this is the weird week where every game is just kind of uh, gives me a little bit of anxiety even having any pick. Uh, but I do think that they're gonna bounce back after that loss last week, and, and I'm gonna ride with New England here. No, I'm gonna take the Patriots too. I think the Patriots are really tough to beat in New England. Arizona, they're coming off of a tough loss. They're six and four. But the Patriots, they, after losing that tough game to the Texans on the road, they really need this game. I could see an upset here. Well, I'm going to disagree with both of you again. I'm picking Arizona. I think the, the Kyler Murray should be 100% for this game. Um, the Cardinals' defense is starting to get a little bit healthy up front with Zach Allen coming back. Um, and Arizona, I think, is the better version of the Houston Texans. And if the Patriots' defense couldn't stop Deshaun Watson, I don't think they've got a shot to stop Kyler Murray in this red-hot offense. I, I know it was a, a tough game up in Seattle, but I think the Cardinals go to New England and take their frustration out against the Patriots team that's really struggling on offense. Um, I think Arizona gets the win. The Dolphins talk about coming off a tough loss. Lost to Denver. They go to the Meadowlands to play the winless Jets, who are officially eliminated from the playoffs. Again, and you've been talking about upsets. Do we see the Jets getting their first win against the Dolphins this week? Oof. I mean, I'm not a fan of the Dolphins right now, the way they looked this last week. I'm not a fan of Tua. I think he's a glorified game manager. Uh, it's, I think he's probably the, I think he could be the at least the third best quarterback in, in this class. Um, it's possibly the fourth, depending on how Jordan Love looks. He eventually um, finally takes the field. I, I actually like Dylan Hurts, too, so I, I don't know. I'm, not, I'm just not so on Tua. I think he's, he's really a game manager at best. And so uh, I am going to pick the Dolphins this week. However, I expect him to be plus. I agree. The Dolphins had a tough game last week, but the Jets are just terrible. And I think they're going to fall the whole way. Yeah, I think this is a game that the Dolphins will win this game on defense. I think their defense has a bounce-back game. They played a great game up in Denver. I, I did expect the game to be close. I didn't think the Broncos would actually win the game. Um, but I expected it to be close. But I think Miami's defense takes their frustration out on the Jets. I, I, I did expect them to have a letdown, so I knew it was coming eventually. But I think the Dolphins bounce back. They get a big win against the Jets and get themselves back into contention for the East. Um, the New Orleans Saints, Taysom Hill back as the starter as the Saints go to Denver to take on the Broncos. I'm going to take the Saints in this one. The Saints team is looking very well balanced. I think they can win with really anyone at quarterback right now. I, I, I really like the way the Saints team looks. And, and the Broncos, on the other hand, are really trending downward. It's like uh, Drew Locke has been questionable for this week, so this could be a Brett Ripien kind of game. So I think this is the Saints W. I'm taking the Saints, too. Their defenses look good. Taysom Hill really looked good the other day. He was able to run the ball and throw the ball. 
get Michael Thomas for Michael Thomas's best game of the year. I can see that connection being strong again and the Saints are I think this game has a chance to be very close because, again, it's the high altitude. Um, but Denver's offense continues to struggle. Um, and I don't know if their defense can stop Taysom Hill and this Saints running game. Um, and Alvin Kamara is too good as a running back. So I'm, I'm going to take the Saints. But I think the Broncos could cover that six-point spread in, in, uh, in Denver. NFC West game, 49ers visit the $5 billion SoFi Stadium to take on the Rams. Rams run this one comfortably. Yep, I agree. Rams looked great against Tampa last week. Miners banged up. I'm taking the Rams. This has the potential to be a letdown game, in my opinion. Big win for the Rams, coming back home. Currently in the, ahead in the division, and then they get the 49ers, who are getting a little bit healthy on offense. Um, but there's too much defense for uh, San Francisco, and it's a revenge game for the Rams after what happened on Sunday night a few weeks ago. Uh, in San Francisco, so I'm going to take the Rams, but I think it's another close one. Probably the game of the day um, in this Week 12, Tampa Bay hosting Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Tom Brady gets a rematch with Mahomes. Um, who wins this game? Man, the Buccaneers have looked good in day games, right? They, they've lost so many primetime games, but I'm someone who is not sold on this team. Their consistency has been pretty much non-existent, and I think the Chiefs are the best team in football right now. Even though that Steelers record looks better, I think the Chiefs are more balanced, and Mahomes just really cannot be stopped. So I'm going with Kansas City. We've got the battle of two, two of the most exciting QBs that we've seen in our lifetime. And I think that Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to go into Tampa Bay and recruit Patty I think Kansas City can win this game and I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. Um, but I think there's too much offense for Kansas City. And I know that the Bucks do love the Blitz a lot, but with Patrick Mahomes, he's just a different dynamic, and I think the Chiefs win. I think this Chiefs defense also gets pressure on Tom Brady and, and forces him to throw in some tight windows, and uh, they're able to create a couple turnovers and win this game. Sunday Night Football, NFC North showdown between the Bears and the Packers at Lambeau. I, the Packers are going to win this game, and it's not even going to be close. Uh, this Bears team is not good. Just not good. I think they're falling apart. I think it's possible. Well, I think they'll definitely finish underneath the Vikings in the division. Um, I, this, this Bears team is a mess, so... Not sold on the Bears at all. Packers, I agree, and the Packers are going to fall out. Yeah, this Bears defense is um, it's good, but this offense is going absolutely nowhere. The Bears can't run the football. Um, they can't uh, protect the quarterback. And this is a game the Packers really need to take advantage of with what's on the line, with the NFC North potentially being decided here. And um, with the Packers playing about as bad as they did in the second half against the Colts last week, um, I think Aaron Rodgers has a big day, and I think the Packers get the big win. And to wrap this one up, the Monday night game in Philadelphia, rematch of the wild card last year, uh, last year. Uh, Seattle visiting Philadelphia. Um, again, who take it? I take Seattle in this game. I think this is the game where uh, you're going to start your Philly fans start calling for Jalen Hurts. Um, because I think even though that Seattle secondary is messy, I think it's possible that Hurts Wentz is not able to even dissect that. And that, I think this is this is a must-win game for Carson Wentz. Job security, 
and I'm not sure that he lives up to the billing. So uh, I'm going to go with Seattle in this game. I'm going to take Seattle as well. Chris Carson coming back against a pretty banged up or a pretty rough Philly team is going to be key here. I think Russell Wilson's going to have a good game. And I think that Seattle's going to take this one. Yeah, I agree. I just think the Eagles' offensive line is atrocious. I think that their their defense is just as bad. They can't stop the run. Um, I think uh, Chris Carson coming back, like you talked about, Andrew, is going to be crucial for Seattle. Um, and I, I still think this line is very generous for Philadelphia. It's a six-point. They're, they're underdogs by six points. They really should be by double digits. Um, I think Seattle has too much offense and wins this game big in Philadelphia. And with that, that wraps us up for the Thanksgiving edition of the Marvel Sports Podcast. Thanks to Dan Hannibal for joining us this week. Uh, For Andrew, I'm David saying so long, and we'll see you next week.